Zelda's first in-game tutorial. That's the subject of this week's episode of Legendary Adventures Podcast. This opening has a lot of drama, and it really puts on display how the designers at Nintendo followed much of what was once included in supplementary material into the game. I feel the manual is more or less required for the first game, and it's useful to read through the manual when starting the adventure of Link, but from here on out, players will never need to crack open the manual to complete a Zelda game. That doesn't mean you shouldn't check the manual for this game. It contains a lot of information on hidden items and areas and mechanics. Reading the manual could make the game easier, it's just no longer a requirement to complete the game. Let's get to the tutorial. It begins by setting the stage, giving players some essential story direction. The night is dark. The rain pours. Link lies asleep in bed. His uncle sits awake at the table. The storm rages outside. Suddenly, Link awakes. A voice is speaking inside his head. It identifies itself as Princess Zelda. The message isn't good. Aghanim has seized control of the castle and is now trying to open the seal of the seven wise men. He's doing something to the descendants of the wise men as part of that plan. Princess Zelda is in the dungeon and needs to be rescued. When Link receives the telepathic message from Princess Zelda, he's sleeping in bed, making this the first of many Zelda games that will begin with Link sleeping. This becomes a recurring motif as the series goes forward. Once the telepathic message concludes, Link's uncle departs, urging him to stay inside. When players take control, Link will jump out of bed. There's a treasure chest in the southeast corner of the house. Inside is a lantern. The mere existence of this treasure chest should draw players to it. And as far as I can remember, I've always headed straight for it. If a player doesn't open this chest, however, the developers have made other locations for the players to find the lantern. It's an example of the tight design in this tutorial section, making sure that players don't miss this essential item. The lantern is used to light torches in dark rooms, provided that the players have magic. The magic meter from Zelda 2 makes a return here. This time it's displayed vertically and is green in color. Players have to collect green magic jars to fill up the meter, and they come in small and large sizes. When players exit Link's house, they can only access a small area of the world. Knights of Hyrule block every path except the path north to the castle. This ensures players will eventually head in the right direction. When players approach these knights, they will speak to Link and provide basic gameplay information, giving players who skipped reading the manual and who are unsure of the controls the basics. The castle gates are also blocked, meaning players will need to find another way in. If players don't immediately find their way, they will get another telepathic message from Princess Zelda, telling them that there is a secret way into the castle. On the east side of the castle, players will find a bush surrounded by a small square of stones. This should hint players off to the entrance. Picking up the bush reveals a hole. Falling down the hole will take players to an underground passageway, which leads to Hyrule Castle, the first dungeon in the game. Inside the underground passage, Link's uncle lies mortally wounded. He'll grant players his sword and shield and explain how to use the sword, including the new spin attack. In an interview published on Glitterberry's Game Translations, Shigeru Miyamoto said this 360-degree spin attack was added to give players a diagonal attack option, while still maintaining good game feel. He said, Now that graphics have gotten prettier, I wanted to make animations to match. Adding the diagonal movement that Zelda 1 lacked, for example. If you can move diagonally, then you'd want to cut diagonally with your sword too, right? But when we tried to put in a diagonal thrust, the operability of the game declined. We ended up using a spin attack instead. 
In the adjoining room, players will find the first enemies of the game, two knights armed with knives. These are the easiest of the knights to defeat, and are among the easiest enemies in the game. Their placement here should allow players to put the combat tips they just got to use. Players will find a treasure chest to the east of the knights. It'll have the lantern if players did not collect it in Link's house. Otherwise, it will have five rupees inside. After leaving this underground area, players enter the castle courtyard. They will encounter slightly stronger enemies in the courtyard, but there are rows of bushes that allow players to initially keep their distance and start the fight on their own terms. Players must cut through the bushes before they challenge any enemy and ultimately enter the castle. As a dungeon, Hyrule Castle is divided into two distinct sections. This is a concept we'll see repeated throughout the game. And the castle even takes it a step further than other dungeons by housing what could be seen as two distinct dungeons inside it. When players first enter the castle, they'll find themselves in a large entry room. This is a hub area which connects the two sections of the first dungeon and the two dungeons of Hyrule Castle. The goal at this point is to descend to the basement levels of the castle, but players can visit the throne room and even the second floor. The entry to a tower on the second floor is blocked by an energy field with a bat-like appearance. This is a hard lock that prevents players from entering the tower until later in the game. Again, Hyrule Castle represents an early experiment in the Zelda series of featuring a dungeon that players will visit more than once. When players find their way to the lower level, they'll find it's much more straightforward than the large open hub above. Again, this is a tutorial to ease players into the game, and as such, it introduces ideas that will be expanded upon later in a simple way. In the first room of the lower level, players will run into a locked door, a knight enemy, and a treasure chest. Defeating the knight awards players the key to open the door, and the chest contains the dungeon map. Players move on to a large room on a scale not possible in the original Legend of Zelda. The room scrolls with the player. The room itself gives the impression of being more complex than it actually is. The first half of the room features narrow walkways over a bottomless pit. Players can knock enemies into this pit and then watch them comically fall into the void. The second half of the room features no drops but gives players access to an upper level of the room, which will make backtracking across it much easier. In the next room, players will run into a locked door on the north that requires a key and a separate door to the east with a shutter over it. When players defeat a knight enemy, the shutter to the east will open, forcing players in that direction. In the room to the east, players will defeat another knight to claim a key. They'll also find a chest with the dungeon item inside, the boomerang. This item will come in handy in the upcoming fight. In the lowest levels of the dungeon, players will find jail cells, one of which contains Princess Zelda. A knight armed with a mace on chain guards the cell. This is the closest thing to a boss fight this dungeon has. The knight's really a standard enemy, but it's stronger than any other seen to this point. The easiest way to fight it is by stunning it with the boomerang and then going in to land a few sword slashes. Defeating the knight grants players the big key. Big keys are a new mechanic in this game. They're used to unlock certain locks within dungeons and large chests. In this case, the key unlocks Zelda's cell. Once unlocked, Zelda thanks the player and urges them to return to the first floor in order to escape the castle to Sanctuary. As she speaks, players will be treated to a new musical theme for the princess. This musical theme is often referred to by fans as Zelda's Lullaby because that's what it's called in Ocarina of Time. This tower is actually the first appearance of the theme and it'll appear regularly in future games to represent the princess. It's a waltz with a lovely rising and falling melody. On the A Link to the Past soundtrack, it's entitled Princess Zelda's Rescue. However, this theme will be used throughout the game whenever Link rescues any of the seven maidens captured by Ganon, muddying its connection to Zelda at first. Later games, however, will cement it in connection to Zelda. 
There is a treasure chest in the cell with Zelda. If players have somehow missed the lantern to this point, it will have the lantern inside. Otherwise it will contain rupees. After getting the treasure chest, it's time to leave the castle. Returning to the large room, it's hard to miss the stairs leading to the upper level. This will allow players to quickly cross the room while avoiding all enemies and the risk of falling down the bottomless pit. After returning to the first floor, players make their way to the throne room. Zelda reveals there's a secret passage behind a seal. This unlocks the second half of the dungeon. It's a series of dark sewer passages. There are mice and bats and snakes to fight inside. The lantern is a must to light the player's way, and Zelda will verbalize this, letting players know that if they've somehow missed the lantern to this point, they should go back and find it. In the dark passageways, players can find unlit torches along the path and light them with the lantern as long as they have magic. This section of the dungeon is straightforward. Players will have to get a key from a treasure chest in an early room, and a couple rooms later they will have to defeat a mouse to claim a key. After getting the key from the mouse, the rooms that follow are all already lighted and the lanterns no longer needed. The room that immediately follows has cracks on the wall indicating a secret room, but we don't have the item we need to access it right now. Heading up a set of stairs, players will find themselves in a set of rooms with wooden floors. These are the back rooms of Sanctuary, meaning players have almost reached their goal. In the final room, players will be presented with two switches, one on the right and one on the left. Zelda will tell players to pull the switch over there. If players pull the switch on the left, snakes will drop from the ceiling. Pulling the switch on the right opens the path forward into Sanctuary proper. There's no official boss in this dungeon, at least not at this point. As mentioned, players will return to Hyrule Castle later in the game. All the same players will be rewarded with a heart container. It's in a chest next to the old man in the sanctuary. This is the only optional dungeon heart container in the game. All others are required to be collected. Players are also given the goal for the next section of the game, obtaining the Master Sword. Players are directed to find an elder, and the first clues are found in Kakariko Village. We'll head to the village and to East Palace next week. If you want to follow along, please subscribe. Please also consider sharing this podcast with another Zelda fan, leaving a like, or review on your favorite podcasting app. I'm Paul Riley. Thanks for listening.